All right, how's everyone doing? Woo! Bless. Woo woo! Blessings. Glad to see everybody here. Worship was awesome. Yeah. Can we give it up? I, I just want to sing a lot. Ethan. Yeah. Ethan did a great yeah. job. <laughs> Have you ever led two songs and been the main guitar player for a whole set before? That's a hard thing to do, number one. And that's his first time doing it. That is awesome. So, thank you. Thank you for what you do. You're amazing. We love you. Word. All right, so tonight I'm going to continue the thread of teachings that we've been on uh, regarding leadership. Um, they've been so good. I, I've loved every single one in the character studies. I've gotten a lot from them. Um, Ron asked me to teach this one, and this one's going to be based on how to discern bad leadership. And so um, we're going to just dive into that and learn some ways to discern what, what bad leadership looks like, specifically in the church. I know we can extrapolate this to, you know, uh, the world and government and uh, our teachers jobs. and jobs and stuff like that. I think at a most the most basic level with the church, we can use the stuff we learn from the church to use in real life. Okay, so this is that's where I want to start. Mm -hmm. um, I am going to pray first, and then we'll get started. Dad, we just thank you so much for who you are, Father. Thank you that you've created each one of us uh, to be a leader. You've given us a grace and a, a gift to be a leader in whatever area of life you've called us to. And we just thank you, Father. We just want to uh, awaken those gifts tonight. We want to learn what that looks like to be a leader and how to respond when leadership doesn't always follow what you say it should, God. Uh, we just honor you. We praise you for who you are. Thank you for filling each of us with boldness um, when it comes to this stuff. So, um, yeah, all that being said, Dad, we just love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, like I said, we're going to talk about uh, bad leadership, especially in the church. And I think this is really, it's just cool God's timing because we've gone through a really good teaching um, really good couple of teachings between Joseph and David and even the uh, Ezekiel 34 teachings. If y'all haven't like listened to those, uh, you should probably go look back, especially if you've had some issues with like leaders in your life, especially the Ezekiel 34 one. Um, as a refresher, God takes it personally when you are wronged by false shepherds and he will be your vindicator. So I think it's really important to know that, and a lot of the stuff that I'm going to talk about tonight really does take from those teachings. Um, there will be new stuff as well, but um, it's just cool to see that God is like, the trajectory we're on, we've been talking about this for a while, so it's not like brand new. The other thing I just want to say too is I know that this can be a sensitive topic. I know that a lot of us have had church hurts, and I'm praying like, if you've been healed of it, be healed of it. Mm -hmm. You know, let's not re-enter into those old wounds and be like, oh man, this sucks. Like, now I'm reliving all the hurts. That's not what this is here for. Ask the Holy Spirit to be with you so we can go, like, look at these things, observe these things, and learn from these experiences to further benefit ourselves. And when we benefit ourselves like that, we will benefit those around us when it comes to bad leadership. Um, so, um... The first thing I just want to start out with, number one, is you are a powerful person. Mm. You are not powerless. Yeah. It is a lie that you are powerless. It is a lie that you are a victim to your circumstances. That is super important. I would write that down. I would put that on your mirror. Mm -hmm. 
say that over yourself. I'm a powerful person, especially when it comes to leadership in the church and like you submitting yourself because you are the one who submits. You are the one that chooses to submit. So you have a choice in the matter. Now, I mean, we are called to submit to authority, but God gives you a choice. You should be praying about where you're going to church and what leaders you submit yourselves to. But we'll keep going. Um, <clears throat> you, have, you are full of authority. If you've been saved and you know, you've asked Jesus into your heart, you are filled with, filled with authority. Uh, Luke 9, 1, he calls the 12 disciples together. He gives them the power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Luke 10, 19, um, he gives you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all, say all, all, all the power of the enemy. That means any branch of what the devil tries to do, you've been given power over that thing as long as you've accepted Jesus. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> I mean, not all the time do we exercise that authority, do we? We'll keep going. But I want to establish this foundation. We've been talking about it, that everyone here, you're a leader. And we're not just saying that to make you feel good and make you come back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're not just trying to tickle your ears. It is a real thing. Um, and <clears throat> let's see. Can we open up our Bibles? Go to First Timothy. Timothy. Actually, it's Second Timothy, chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter one, verses five through seven, and then I need one more person. Does anybody want to volunteer? Noah, you volunteering? First uh, Peter four ten. We're gonna lay this foundation that we are all called to be leaders. That this isn't just a nice word; it's a real thing that the Bible talks about. Somebody have First Timothy five through seven. Or 2 Timothy 5 through 7? I keep saying first. Wait, I think I can do this. I thought you said 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. Not chapters 5 through 7. You got it, Emma? All right. Hit me with that. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Willis, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded. And, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hmm. That's so good. So, this is really cool to look at. Paul is writing to Timothy, and if you've ever read about this, Paul loves Timothy. He brags about Timothy all the time. Um, but I love that he says, <clears throat> I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith faith that is in you. But in another translation, it says sincere. <clears throat> Paul is talking about how sincere Timothy's faith is. That is amazing. Can you imagine being that guy who's like, you're written in the Bible, and your name's mentioned, and beside mm -hmm. your name is, you have sincere faith mm -hmm. for all of eternity. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but Paul goes on... <clears throat> And he, he actually uh, he, he encourages Timothy, but he also tells him something he can work on, right? So he tells him to put in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of hands. So the gift, this is a really important part. The gift there, if you look at the word gift, 
uh, in the Greek, it actually means, it's the word charisma, mm. which means uh, grace in a way. It's a, a gift from God. I think I have the meaning of it right here. Oh, gift. So right there it means the divine empowerment of God's grace or God's imparted ability. So this right here is Paul saying that God has given you an ability to do something that you weren't able to do before by the laying on of hands. It's God's grace on your life that you have this power. Um, give me one second. <clears throat> There's a thing I was going to say. Oh, stir up the gift. So when we talk, when we see this, Paul, let me put it this way. There's two ways that a Christian's life can be put out of balance. Number one, we can pursue character but neglect power. Mm. It's important to pursue character. <clears throat> but, you know, if we're neglecting the power of God, the gift of God, that's really dangerous. The vice versa is also true. If we are pursuing power but neglecting character, that is dangerous. How many of you know a person who goes to like, you know, all the, the conferences and the big like worship things and they chase the miracles and stuff mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. but they, have, they don't even desire to look, open up their hearts and look at, you know, what can I change because I've got yeah. all these hurts. Yeah. They neglect all that, they put it to the side. I'm telling you, these are two things that God wants you to have both of. He wants you to have both character and both power we're about to start teaching some more on like gifts of the spirit, so I felt like this is a really good segue. But your gift is power. God has given you all a gift, and it is power, and you've got to stir up the gift. It's not just going to happen automatically. A lot of us think that, and I've, I've fallen into this, of the fact that, oh, if I just spend time with God, and I just you know get in my quiet place and fall in love with the Lord, that everything else is going to fall into place. In a perfect world, yes, but there is work to be done on our parts. If God's calling us to tell, he's, if Paul's telling Timothy he needs to stir up the gift, then it, and it's in God's word, we need to stir up the gift that God has given us. Got it? Yep. Mm -hmm. yes. um, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love <laughs> and a sound mind. That's going to be really important later on. Noah, you want to read that First uh, Peter 4.10 verse? As each one has received the gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Mm. I love that. And as every man hath received that gift. So it's not just Timothy who received the gift. You know, it's not just Ronnie, the leader of the group, or me, uh, another person on the leadership team. It, it's not any of these people. It's every single person has received the gift if you've called on the name of Jesus. God has given you a grace to be a leader, and this gift isn't meant to just be sat upon. This gift is meant to be ministered unto others. Um, you know, you, if you read the parable of the talents and the Gospels, the, Jesus talks about the man who went, he was given ten talents, he goes and multiplies it, and God rewards him and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Then there's the man with five talents, and he multiplies it, and God says, well done, good and faithful servant. You know what the man with the two talents did? He buried it. He sat on it. The gift of God. He took it, he buried it underground because he was terrified that he would either lose it or wouldn't use it right or whatever. And so when God came to reap that, he said, well, I was terrified. So basically, here's what you gave me back. <laughs> and God, you should go read the response. 
I'm not going to say it word for word, but he basically tells him, woe to you, wicked and slothful servant, and dot, 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 fill in the blanks. There's a lot of stuff in between. But he basically tells him he's going to hell. <laughs> God takes it really personally and offensively. Well, I mean, he's not offended, but you see what I'm saying? He doesn't like mm-hmm. when he, if he gives you something, he expects you to steward that gift well. Yeah. It's not just given to you as a, a gift that you just don't use. Your gift is important. <clears throat> and I, just as a, another thing, like each one of your gifts is unique. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you're going to, we talk about this a lot. You might not be called to church leadership, and that's fine. That makes you no less spiritual than anyone else. If you're called to be a school teacher, you be the best freaking school teacher there ever was. Mm. You come up with some of the best curriculum that anyone's ever seen that works, that pr- promotes kids, that in a, a culture where the schools are always the problem, you're the solution. Mm. Because God's given you a gift, a, a, a grace to do things that you were unable to do before. And if God's giving you the, the hints, I mean, you're going to come up with something awesome. Yeah. Something that could change the course of history. It is important. If you are called to be a, a, a roofer, I'm, I roof. I don't, I don't feel called to roofing forever. <laughs> Please, God. <laughs> but, like, I enjoy doing the work. And for right now, in this moment, I'm going to be the best roofer that I can be. Yeah. Because God's given me a gift to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And don't sit on it. Please, whatever you do, don't sit on it. Uh, Romans 5.17 talks about, uh, for by the offense of the one man, Adam, death reigned. But through the obedience of the other, Jesus, uh, we may reign here in life. Uh, let me read it more professionally. If for, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. He's not talking about the eternal life. He's talking about life here on earth. You are created to reign in life, to be a leader here on this earth. Good words. So all this said, you are responsible for what God's given you. You are responsible to him ultimately. For how you steward your gift. So let that be an encouragement, but also a challenge that you aren't supposed to put your expectation on your leaders to live your life for you and fulfill the things for you. A lot of times we do that. And especially when it gets into the arena of church hurts, this is like, we're going to segue into the church hurt part now. And um, a lot of times, even, and I've been very guilty of this. I've, y'all, I've, I've talked about this a ton of times. I won't go into the, to it super deep. I've been in a lot of churches. I've been under a lot of bad leadership. It's hurt me a lot, but God has always been faithful. Yeah. It's never stopped the plan of God for my life unless I allowed it to. So you can be in a situation and your leaders are horrible, but I can tell you right now, that does not define you and that does not define where you're headed. Mm-hmm. That is very important. So, um, let's keep this in mind moving into this. The devil hates you. Sorry. <laughs> the devil hates God. Ultimately, he hates him. He, he wants to do everything to disrupt his plan. He's going to get in the way as much as he can because he does not want God 
to gain any of the glory. Satan is a lover of himself. He wants the glory for himself. So he feels like if he can set up his kingdom on this earth, then he can get people to submit to him. And now he's playing God. I mean, we've read the end of the book. We know he doesn't win. So we know that Jesus wins, ultimately. And we win. We triumph. But it is important to know the devil's tactics when it comes to this stuff so that you can properly discern what is going on. Um, especially in a position where you're under a leader who may have done something to hurt you. Um, let's talk about this. Somebody open up to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, it's verses 15 through 20. There's, I'm going to talk about some of the tactics that the devil likes to use. I, I'm not going to be able to give you every single tactic, every single fruit of a bad leader, so that you can, you know, write it off on your checklist. This is, I'm going to tell you a couple that are very prominent and big, so that, you know, you are aware, um, and how we should respond to that. Um, but ultimately, for you to understand and discern whether a leader is good or bad, you're going to have to do the work yourself, and it's, you're going to, the work is asking the Holy Spirit, being in relationship with the Lord. So, somebody have Matthew 7, 15, Caitlin? Sorry, Monica. <laughs> Go ahead, Caitlin. Yeah, 15 through 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. So this is how we discern. We, this is how we discern a person's life in general, but especially when it comes to our leaders. How do we discern whether a leader is doing a good job and obeying the Lord and hearing the Lord's voice versus serving themselves or serving the enemy and it's whether their tree is good because if the fruit of their life is good then you know the tree is good but if the fruit of their life is bad then you know that the tree is bad this is especially tough in our churches today because a lot of our churches are big and we have the pastors that preach amazing messages amazing like really well done well taught but when you really look at their lives, and this is not accusation, I'm, I'm saying this is a blanket statement. I don't think this is every, you know, big church pastor out there. There's a, a ton of amazing pastors, even here in Richmond, that preach at big churches that have amazing lives. But all that being said, there are also churches that have leaders who preach an amazing message on Sunday and they do all the right things at church, but then they go home and their family life is a mess. Or, you know, they're, they're, they have secrets and things that don't follow up with what they teach. So you, the biggest problem is a lot of times we judge people based off their teaching, you know, or whether it sounded good to me. You know, how many people do you know just go to church and they say, yeah, the sermon sounded really good. I really liked what he had to say. And that determines whether they're going to go to that church or not. Yeah. yeah. And then how long does it take before they're like, ugh. <laughs> I hate this place. Yeah. They're like, I can't believe he would talk like that. Well, it's because you fell for the trap. <laughs> Deceived. Yeah. Um, oops. I turned my phone on low power mode, and that's what turns it off. So, um, 
We need to be hearing from the Father and discerning the fruits of our leaders. It is not bad to discern the fruit of our leaders. It is not offensive. You aren't powerless. Again, you are powerful. You know what the Holy Spirit wants. So, let's talk about a couple fruits of bad leaders. Number one, I've got here, a bad leader, this I feel like is very encompassing. A bad leader uses power as a way to attain what he is lacking. A bad leader uses power as a way to attain what he is lacking. I listened to a video the other day by uh, Miles Monroe, love Miles Monroe, and uh, he made a statement that I thought was pretty funny. Uh, he said, never let a poor person rise in power. And that sounds like offensive. But he's like, <laughs> he's not just talking about a poor person with money, although that does make sense as well. But he's talking about a poor person, a person lacking rise in power. Because they'll always use their position of power as a way to fill that void. Hmm. Um, if a person doesn't have money and they are become a leader a lot of times they'll use leadership as a vehicle to earn money because that's what they need if a person doesn't have love then they will use a, a position of leadership to gain love from mm. the people the people because mm. you're expected to love a leader you're mm. expected to love your pastor you can't say no the, the hard part with church leadership especially is that a lot of leaders will use um like god as a like affirmation for what they're telling you even though what they're telling you does not match up with God right so you know that you have to be very aware of that um, if a person doesn't feel important if they be, are given a place of leadership they're going to use that to try to make themselves feel important the problem with all this it's not bad to seek solutions to those problems the problem is a, a place of service as we've learned is a place of or a place of leadership as we've learned, is a place of service. Mm -hmm. Leadership is all about how can I serve you? How can I wash your feet? How can I do the things that nobody else would do for you? Mm. And so that's how, the, keep, this is how the enemy twists it, right? Twists the position of leadership. Instead of it being for others, it's now for me. So um, before we go on, I think I wrote this in my notes uh, for a little later, but I think right now is a good point to hit it. A lot of this stuff when it comes to leaders we have to go back to that teaching of separation mm. that we've learned. Um, yeah. Matt's taught it twice here at IDH, and I think it's on the podcast twice. Yeah. Um, I would really, like, if if it's not, like, in your heart and the first thing you think of, you should probably go back and listen to it because it is, like, one of the most powerful teachings, especially when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. Um, it is so important to know that just because someone's a leader doesn't mean that they are, like, some supernatural person. They're just yeah. like you or me. Yeah. They sin, they mess up, they have bad days. And that's okay. You know, it doesn't mean like, oh, my pastor had one bad day, I'm gone. You know, but we want to be there to know why, discern why they are doing what they're doing. Um, and see them for who they really are. And see are. them for who they really are. Right. And knowing that they are God's children, mm -hmm. ultimately, um, despite what they may be doing to you. Um, a good leader, just to counteract that point, a good leader acknowledges what he lacks and submits it both to the Lord and to his or her fellow peers. Um, <clears throat> they are vulnerable. <clears throat> wow. 
They are vulnerable and seek the help of others to find a solution to their problems so that they don't project these problems onto their people. This is a really big deal. If you want to know if, you're lead, uh, if a leader is being healthy, find out who their peers are. Find out if they're accountable to people. Because if you're not accountable to somebody, <laughs> that's probably not a good thing. You know, we were never called to do life just with the Lord. God calls us to people. And a lot of things God has hidden in other people as our like victory and blessings for us. So we need to be in relationship. That's why we've created IDH to be such a family. Like, you know, we want this to be a family where we're safe and open and feel vulnerable and <clears throat> are able to share things with one another so that we can become healthier. Um, leaders are not, you know, uh, what do you call it? They're also called to do the same thing. They're not set free to not, not do it. Thing. That's right. Yeah. I'm, there's a word in my head that I can't remember. I hate when Exempt. that happens. That's Exempt. Thank you, Noah. My wordsmith. <laughs> oh, man. All right. A bad leader leads from a place of fear instead of love. This is crucial, too. Um, as we all know, perfect love casts out all fear. And uh, fear, uh, especially an atmosphere of fear, leads to manipulation and control. Um, I think, I don't want anybody to raise your hands, but I know if you've been under a leader that's like been in fear, you felt that manipulation and control issues. Now, let's take this separation view of this really quick. If somebody's in fear and they're trying to manipulate me, I don't need to get offended with them and be like, oh, you know, (laughs) screw them for trying to, they're trying to take my life and like control me and manipulate everything. I fall... I'm speaking from experience because I've done this. (laughs) Why am I fighting against them? They are not the enemy. The enemy is the spirits of fear that's in that person, that's at work in that person. Mm. That's a good word. Um, (laughs) Bad leaders will lure people into serving them with a promise of some kind of reward or the word of God taken out of context. Um, they use scripture against you instead of for you. Uh, this is a manipulation tactic, misusing the authority of God, as I was talking about earlier, to justify a word simply because they are a leader. Mm. Just because somebody's a leader doesn't mean every word that comes out of their mouth is holy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's, it's really true. <laughs> the Bible tells us to be wise, be Bereans to seek out the truth. If somebody prophesies over us, we don't just take that at face value. We go to the Lord with it. Because if it's a word from the Lord, then He'll confirm it for us. And so, um, especially this, we talked about this, I think, when we talked about prophecy. uh, It's one of the teachings we've done. But if somebody prophesies over you, and it's a word that does not make sense, does not, like, register with your heart, and the Lord hasn't been like highlighting that to you then it's probably not a good word it's Mm. probably not correct sometimes it can be sometimes god can hit you with the word out of complete left field Mm. but a lot of times i've found that when somebody's spoken a word over me i've gone wow yeah amen like the holy spirit's already mentioned parts of this and this is like a closure point of saying like bringing it all together or confirmation right um 
I, I've seen a lot of leaders that you know will use this tactic, and I believe honestly, 100%. I believe that leaders do mean well. I don't believe that they're out here just trying to, you know, screw people's lives over. I think they do mean well, but a lot of the prophetic words that they give are not healthy, mm. and they've been taught not to check those words. They've been taught to take them at face value, and that is a dangerous place to be in. Um, under a leader that's un- in fear, there's no freedom. There is no freedom under a leader like this to grow. Your growth is always measured and graded by your performance because that's what benefits the leader. You are not given a safe place to discover what's right and wrong. Could you say that one yeah, yeah. yeah, there is no freedom under a leader like this to grow. Your growth is always measured by your performance because that's what benefits the leader. You are not given a safe place to discover what's right and wrong. I've always had this theory with worship that if you just give somebody an opportunity to like lead, they will discover. People are not dumb. <laughs> they will find out what works and what doesn't work. And obviously I'm not going to put them in front of like, you know, one million people who are there for a performancey thing. But in a house like this where we're all together on the same team, I'm like, yeah, go for it, man. Because who knows? Hmm. They need an op- people need we all need an opportunity to grow in what God's given us. And if we're not given the opportunity, how are we ever supposed to grow? Um, something I've seen in a lot of churches is they'll tell you, especially when it comes to worship, is they'll tell you like, we want you to be on the team, but we're gonna get you to do X, Y, or Z first hmm. for set amount of time before we give you a place on on the platform so um just thinking about this sometimes this is good once again it's not always bad but sometimes what this turns into is like we want you to be on the team but we want to like we need somebody to do this thing first so let's talk about sound tech a lot of churches will say we want you to be on the sound board for like six months before you're on the team Okay, so that's six months of like, you know, time over there. If the leader's hearing from the Lord, this can be a good thing. Because, I mean, if I need time to grow before I'm given a place on the stage, then that's a really good thing. But then there's other times where, you know, you're ready. It's just bursting out of you. And they, you know, do that. They put you in that place. And it stifles the gift. It's like wearing a wrong pair of shoes. Right. Like, that's not the job that... Yeah, it's like wearing boots to like a ballet recital. <laughs> you know, doesn't work. Doesn't work. Um, so, and like I said, we're we're, we're speaking about this stuff very plainly uh, because we're separating while we're going through this and saying this is not who they are. This person is not this jerk who's just trying to ruin my life. And blah, blah, blah. No, they are a child of God. They're my brother. They're my sister. I love them to death. But right now, the enemy is working in their life. And I need to know that I'm not at fault in this. A good leader produces an atmosphere of love, trust, vulnerability, and honor. In this atmosphere, a person is given a safe place to flourish, knowing that no matter their performance, they are always loved and worthy of honor. They feel free to be who God created them 
and accepted into the family. Let me know if you want to say that again. I can say it again. All right. A good leader produces an atmosphere of love, trust, vulnerability, and honor. In this atmosphere, a person is given a safe place to flourish or to grow, knowing that no matter their performance, they are always loved and worthy of honor. They feel free to be who God created them to be and accepted into the family. When we first started stuff with the church, one of the first books we read was A Culture of Honor by Danny Silk. Mm -hmm. um, amazing book. Amazing book. But he talks about like treating people with honor. Every single person you, you come across because they are a child of God or the potential to be a child of God. You know? And if God like if God gives people free will and sees it's fit to give people free will then we should also like see people in their choices and even though they're, they have freedom to choose we don't despise them because of it. If they're choosing a lot of bad stuff we just want to love them and show them that they are accepted because a lot of their choices are being made from a wrong place, right? Mm -hmm. But if we can show them that they're loved and honored it changes somebody's life because a lot of their choices are made from places of hurt, places of fear. But if you can reach in and be that light of Jesus, Jesus, how many times did he just look at like, like the woman caught in adultery? And even though she had completely sinned, she had been sleeping with men. They caught her sleeping with a man. They pulled her out the room and dragged her out in front of Jesus and said, the law says we should stone her. God recognizes that. Jesus recognizes that she was wrong. But he also says, well, you know, whoever's, you know, hasn't sinned, you go ahead and cast the first stone. Nobody can. But Jesus, the one who could, looks at her and says, I, I don't even hold this against you. Go and sin no more. That is a culture of honor. He's honoring the person that she could be, the potential that God has given to her. God never loses sight of his people. And neither should we. If we are intimate with our Father... Our heart should be entwined with His. So when we see people, our heart breaks just like His does. Our heart gets excited for them like a, like a father beaming over his child. And when you're not in that place, when you, you don't have that, you should probably go back to your prayer closet <laughs> and get more intimate with Him. So um, we'll move forward keep talking about leadership. Um, another bad thing that leaders do uh, as a bad leader, it leads you to submit to them as your ultimate authority, mm. neglecting the authority of God in your own life. Mm. This goes back to that thing I was saying about God giving people free will. It's amazing that God gives all of us free will to choose whether to like disobey or obey, to love us or to not love us. I think it's Ravi Zacharias who said, you know, without choice, it's not love. Mm. So it, it, it's a beautiful picture that God gives us a choice to love him. Um, bad leaders don't, don't recognize that. You know, you're either obeying them or you're wronging them. Um, Again, I, I said something about the prophetic words. This is, that's a big one. I, I've just seen it a lot. 
and the devil will all likes to use prophetic words um, against people, um, and especially from a leader who does not lead you to submit to God, but leads you to submit to them. One thing that they, uh, someone like that can do is claim to be the ultimate authority in your life and say, well, I don't think this is what God's saying to you. This is what I think God's saying to you. Anytime you hear that, <laughs> loaded, loaded, Jesus, Jesus. Now, if you're in good relationship with your leaders, like if I'm hanging out with Ron, me and Ron have a good relationship. If he told me, I don't know if you're hearing from the Lord there, I'd probably check it. But a bad leader would say, oh, no, 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 you're, no, that's totally, what are you thinking? No, God, this is what God wants for you. And if it's completely, like, they'll tell you what God wants for you. Ron encourages me to go back to the Lord and ask again. Yeah. Because there's an opportunity that I could be right, that I could be hearing from God. He trusts that my, I'm responsible for my life and that I have a good enough relationship with the Father that I can hear from him. A bad leader doesn't care whether you hear from the Lord or not. Because it's not about you hearing from the Lord. It's about you um, helping them build their little kingdom. Mm -hmm. So, once again, I'm not trying to be, like, offended. I, I'm going to keep saying this because I don't want any of you to fall back into offense over things that may have happened in the past. Um, this is not for us to hold against these people because, once again, separation. We want the best for them. We want God's grace and mercy for these people because they are people just like us. And we operate in fear a lot of times. But when a leader operates in fear, it affects way more. Honestly, we should take a second and just like understand the fact that a leader has a really tough job. Mm. It's really hard to be a leader. You're held to a much higher standard. Yeah. Way higher. And um, I don't want all this teaching to go to your head for you to be justified in calling them out and just saying, oh, everything you do is wrong. Because that's not the heart of God. The heart of God isn't just to expose. It's to restore. So, and you're a powerful person. And I'll say it again and again. You are powerful. Um, a good leader always encourages you in your walk with the Lord. Bringing correction that is matched with the Holy Spirit's conviction. That is so key. If like somebody corrects you and it's not matched with the Holy Spirit's conviction and it's just condemnation, probably not great. Um, they pray for you daily, asking the Father how they can best serve you so as not to do things according to their own will, but rather according to the will of the Father. Their correction is partnered with God and matched with a hopeful expectation and belief in your ability to manage your own life. Uh -huh. Their correction is partnered with God and matched with a hopeful expectation and belief in your ability to manage your own life. I don't have any more points on discerning bad leadership. I felt like those were like some pretty common ones. I'm, listen, there's so many you could find. Um, that's not what this whole thing is about. The, the, we're going to go into the next part of this teaching that is talking about how we should respond to these types of leadership. Um, and this is the real practical part. This is the part I want you to take away. Not 
just oh bad leaders are bad leaders and mm. screw the church because the church is horrible listen the church has a hard job and the devil hates the church the devil is more threatened by the church than CVS pharmacy <laughs> right maybe pharmacy's pretty bad but you get what I'm saying <laughs> um you know, it's, it's not the same kind of, in, in a, this is a little tangent that I will go on. If God is the one who's given all the authority and he delegates authority, he's a king, a king of the kingdom. We don't really understand kingdom that much. So it's really nice when we take a step back from our democratic mindsets and look at the fact that the kingdom of God is a kingdom with a king and in a, in a kingdom, the king delegates authority to different types of people. And when they're given authority, that's the, they basically have the, the king's word. So, and a lot of kings would, you know, give different people in his kingdom uh, land to own and watch over for him. Because it's hard to rule over a whole kingdom. What was that? Lords. That's the word I'm looking for. See, I don't really know kingdom that well. <laughs> we don't really have a lot of lords and yarls. <laughs> but he will set lords over in the kingdom. That means that these lords are set up in place. Now, the devil knows that he can't take out God. He can't destroy God's kingdom. That's impossible. That's a losing battle. <laughs> He'll get smacked down in an instant. But if he can take over the leaders of or the lords over these places of authority that these people hold then the devil can have authority over those places and authority over those people. So that is why the devil likes to attack church. Because in a church, a pastor, pastor, or a leader, uh, a pastor or a leader is set over a people. Those are his people. Those are his sheep. They are ultimately God's sheep, but he is standing in God's stead to love and take care of the sheep. Now, if the enemy can take out that pastor or manipulate or cause that pastor to be in fear or any one of these things, then he's got rule over all the people. There's this like weird law where, like, uh, biblically, if like a pastor's struggling with something, a lot of times the congregation will follow with the same thing. Um, I heard of a church where the pastor got had a divorce with his wife. Uh, it wasn't biblically justified, and a lot of the other leaders in the church confronted him and said, hey, what's up with this? Because this doesn't look great. And he basically told them, you know, you can either accept it or you can get out. And what happened was in the next coming months, there was this wave of divorce that happened in the church where couples were getting divorced. That's not just coincidence. That was released. The, the spirit of the enemy was given permission to roam free in that church through the pastor's agreement with him. So that is also why it's very important to know who you're submitting to. Yeah. Woo! All right, so let's get into happy stuff. Where am I at right now? 43 minutes? We're going to do this nice and quick. All right, what should be our response to bad leadership? It's a tough question because there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things. It's a very wide open topic. I'm going to give you a couple things that I think are huge and key and... Um, in recognizing what the enemy wants to do to get a hold of you as a leader. Uh, number one, do not, do not, ready? Do not fall into the trap of offense. Holy smokes. This is like crucial. 
<laughs> Offense is such a trap. And Luke, let me see, Luke 17, 1, I think it is. I didn't write the verse down, but I believe it is Luke 17, 1. Um, Jesus says, uh, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea and that he should offend one of these little ones. He, he's a, like talking about the person doing the offending. So, one, number one, you don't want to be offending people. <laughs> but he, here's your response if you're the one being offended. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Notice there is always a line of communication. That's a big deal. You should always have a line of communication. If you're offended by somebody, do not, I repeat, do not sit back and wait for them to come and make it right. Mm. Jesus does not give you the permission just because you were hurt. You're not a victim. Mm. You don't, you have no right to sit there. If you're in offense, you're in just as much trouble as the person doing the offending. Yeah. It is 17.1. It is 17.1. Good. 17.1 through 4. Um, a lot of people are unable to function properly in their calling in life because of the wounds and hurts that offenses have caused in their life. I'm sure we can all talk about many people. I can tell you right now that I had a, a portion of my life that feels like it was stolen from me mm. because I was living in offense. And didn't know how to um, get over it. And, like, offense is just such a, a handicap and a hindrance. Um, it's hard because oftentimes it feels like betrayal. Because offense can only happen through people that you care about. Like, I don't know, if someone, I random dude off the street came up and said, Yo, you suck! I'd be like... I <laughs> I don't know why you're saying that. All right. I would say it's like people or things that you care about. Right. Like people. if I really do care about my reputation, that might offend me. Right. Yeah. So. Exactly. So, but oftentimes it's the, the relationship. The people closest to you are the ones that can hurt you the most. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you. My mom's here to attest to this. It's hard. It's way harder to not be offended by my mom than it is some other people here because I'm way closer to my mom. That doesn't mean she's a horrible person and she's way more offended by me than she would be by any of you here because <laughs> no offense but she doesn't like you're not on that same relationship level. Mm, yeah. It only matters when the people offending you are people you care about. Yeah. Um, that word offense in Luke 17 1 is the Greek word scandalon which actually means a trap. It's laid out as a trap. It's the devil's like way to bait you in. And the reason why is because offense is the birthing grounds for hurt, bitterness, rejection, unloving, pride, jealousy, envy, judgmental and critical spirits, and many other evil things. That's a short, short list. But it is the birthplace of so many evil things. That is why it the Bible talks about offense as a trap. Because it just, you can fall into so many other things after the offense. Mm -hmm. um, if someone's done something to offend you, obey the words of Jesus. Go to your brother and rebuke him. Now, I, I will say, it's probably best to, like, go sit down and have a conversation with somebody. Ask questions. 
Ask questions. Like, it. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with somebody and just said, hey, man, like, the story I'm telling myself right now, that's a big, big deal. Because it kind of, like, we talked about this at worship team uh, vision thing. But um, telling people, hey, the story I'm telling myself right now is the other day when we were hanging out and we were eating, eating coffee you uh when we were eating coffee you like sat on your phone and i felt like so rejected because i felt like you weren't interested in me like i felt like you didn't like me and i just wanted to leave how many times that happened Mm -hmm. and we don't say anything Mm -hmm. but jesus tells us go to your brother tell him (laughs) so if i go to him and say hey man when you did that it really made me feel rejected that gives him an opportunity to respond now if that person responds with Oh, screw you, dude. You're a baby. <laughs> that's when you go into more detailed <laughs> response. Maybe take a couple friends, you know. But a lot of times that this can be like, a lot of times this can be distinguished so fast. One thing that me and Monica have done in our marriage, and I talked about this, the worship team thing as well, is there's nothing we can't talk about. Mm-hmm. Like, any time one of us is feeling weird, we talk about it. And... Sometimes we don't know why we're feeling weird. Sometimes it's just, I just feel really off with you. And we'll sit there and start talking about it. And then we'll say, oh, well, maybe it was this. And we talk about that. And then I'll get to respond. Because a lot of times somebody's perception, sometimes Monica's perception of a thing is way different than what I meant it to be. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> me leaving. <laughs> I get up and leave in the middle of a movie. She gets offended because this hasn't happened. I'm giving an example. (laughs) I get up and leave in the middle of a movie. She's offended because I've left and she doesn't know why. She's feeling scared and vulnerable and all this stuff. And I'm not there. And all I'm doing is going to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. So then we can sit down and talk about it. In her mind, this is a huge deal. This is a big thing. And to me, I'm just going to the bathroom. Yeah. But when we sit down and talk about it, I'm able to say, look, babe, I'm sorry. It was running down my leg. I had to go. <laughs> and then her humanity comes through and says, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I'm so sorry. Maybe you could just love me a little better. Now I know how to love her better. Tell me when you leave. I can tell her, hey, I got to go. It's running down my leg. <laughs> now she knows before she even falls into that trap again. I'm not see how this works it's yeah. just so big and the enemy can like escalate so much in your mind if you just let it stay there and then yeah. it just goes to your heart and then it escalates in your heart and yeah it's just way messier afterwards yep and it's way harder to articulate articulate why you're offended when you let it just stay in there yep yeah. exactly that's huge yeah. so and the other part about that too is just because she perceives it as me leaving her and you know, I was actually just going to the bathroom. That doesn't make it not important. Right. That doesn't make her dumb and insignificant because, oh, well, she didn't, she didn't know. But to her, this is a big deal. And if I don't care for her heart in a way that's sensitive and, like, loving, then, you know, I'm not really looking out for her best interest. Yeah. Especially if, like, I've struggled with rejection. Right. That's, like, a obvious right. thing. I've been rejected again. Right. So it's going to be way easier to fall into the trap, especially if it's something that you know your person is struggling with yeah. or your friend or your yeah. whoever. So, yeah, when it comes to your leaders, open the lines <laughs> of communication with your leaders. Yeah. You know, like, I can't tell you. Uh, 
once again, we'll go over this. The, a leader has a tough job. They have a lot of people they have to oversee. Sometimes people get overlooked, and that doesn't mean you're not valuable. It's just a really tough job for one person to overlook, you know, even 30 people like we have here. It's a really tough job. Plus, they got to live their own lives, and they got their own stuff to worry about. They got to take care of their family. They got to take care. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Do leaders a favor. Go to them. Talk to them. Bring this stuff up. Don't sit in your own little fort and say, oh, they're mad at me, and I'm mad at them, so I'm just not going to eat. It's pride in disguise. Don't touch it. Yeah. We're going to move <laughs> forward. Um, honor every person because God loves them. <laughs> Love this. All right. Somebody open up to Matthew 5. Matthew 5. This scripture has been like wrecking my life. Wrecking. I'm wrecked, Cam. I'm wrecked, Ronnie. Wrecked, The verse is uh, 38 through 48. Matthew, Matthew, what? <laughs> What's that chapter? Five. Matthew 5, chapter 38 through 48. Chapter 38. Verse 38 through 48. I'm sorry, man. It's a lot of words to be set up here. So, somebody uh, want to read that for me? Ethan. Thank you, bub. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he acts, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than the others? Do not even tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect mm. I love this so much because we talked about this at Brobel so it's fun that we've been talking about this but one thing that's really st stood out to me with this is the fact that um, Jesus is calling people to not look past the offenses that are happening and actually serve them he's calling you to leadership in those small things, right? Um, he's inviting us into a kingdom realm of thinking. Instead of a worldly way of thinking, which says, Hammurabi's law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You get what you deserve, you know? Like, and this is, it's a very, like, primal way of thinking. <laughs> like, and, and, but we a lot of times have that thinking when it comes to church, when it comes to people, especially leaders. Oh, they wronged me. Well, I'm going to walk out and they'll see how much they missed me. Mm -hmm. Or um, they wanted to take away time from me doing things that I feel like God's called me to. Well, you know what? Then I'm just, I'm just not going to do it anyway because who needs them? Right. You know, that's, that's an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth mentality. That's a worldly mentality. God says, walk with them two miles if he asks you to walk with them one. He, it's just back to the concept of separation. He's calling you to look past the person and what they're doing that's wrong and seeing the spirit that's working behind them. 
so that you can honor all men and love all men as God loves all men. Once again, having that intimacy with the Father where you care for people. Your heart breaks for people just like the Father's does. Your heart is like just drawn to people like the Father's is. Big deal. People are deserving of honor. And I can't tell you how big honor is. I, I could go deep into it. I won't go as deep into it. Um, but basically, when you honor somebody, there is a biblical law as well that you receive a reward in the degree that you honor somebody. If you look in the Bible um, and... Um, oh, what was it? Oh, Jesus went to his hometown. And Jesus went to his hometown and um, all the people, he, he wanted to preach and, you know, do his thing, his ministry thing. Jesus is awesome. But all the people there basically said, who is this? Isn't that the carpenter kid? Isn't that the dude who was in first grade? Like, who does he think he is out here teaching all this, you know, mess, blah, 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 all this stuff? You know what? Like, they hated him. They, they were offended by him. It's actually what the word says. So they fell into the trap of being offended. Um, and the Bible actually says that Jesus was unable to perform many miracles in that place. He was able to perform some. He laid hands and some, some were healed. A couple headaches were healed. But nowhere near the amount of miracles that were happening before. The people's level of honor towards Jesus was rewarded with very little mm. in the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm of healing. Go a little farther in the Bible and you read about the centurion. And the centurion basically sends out a servant to Jesus and says... You know, I understand authority. I know that you're a man under authority. And if you just say the word, my servant will be healed. And I don't even have to be there. I just have to ask you to send the word. And it's as good as done. Jesus says, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. His disciples are sitting there like, dog, we spent like two and a half years with you. What's up? <laughs> no, they didn't fall into the trap of being offended. But, like, seriously, Jesus said that this man had the greatest faith he had seen in all of Israel. That's even more than John the Baptist. Wow. Crazy. Um, his, the way he honored Jesus and his authority determined the level of blessing, reward that he got. Yeah. So honoring people is amazing. Don't just do it for the blessing. Get it in your heart. You'll, you'll get tired. You'll grow weary. It'll be a chore to you, and you won't reap a reward. But when it gets into your heart, when you are just honoring people in general, and that's just your lifestyle, man, you'll just see, like, stuff happen. That's amazing. Um, the last big thing I just want to talk about is intimidation. Um, and this is a tactic of the enemy that we see a lot of times in our leaders, and um, we need to um, discern it, discern it well. Um, if my phone would get out of this mode, I could read more. Um, I, I, the picture I get in my head with intimidation is the enemy tries to bulldog you. Mm. <laughs> Just tries to run you over. And if he can run you over, like in football, there's this <laughs> mentality that if you hit somebody real hard, the next time they come across like you on the field, they're going to be scared. Because they're going to remember that last time they got hit. Like safeties love this. It's so fun because they'll be like, they'll hit somebody real hard, knock them out. Next time that person comes around, they're like flinching. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> the way the devil does it is not fun. Yeah. It's not fun. But he will bulldog you. He'll try to hit you with everything he's got to try to scare you from what God has for you. Um, like I said, I want to keep it um, like right under an hour. Um, I, I'm not going to go over the whole scripture and make you read it, but. Read about the story of Ahab and Jezebel and Elijah in the Bible. Um, 
when the enemy tries to intimidate, he's trying to get your place of authority. Back to that idea of lords being in charge of different areas of life. You are placed in charge and given authority in different areas of your life. The enemy will bulldog you so that he can get hold of those places you're over, right? If you read about the story, Elijah is this prophet. He's amazing. He's so dank. And one day he basically tells him, it ain't gonna rain anymore until I say so. And then he challenges uh, Jezebel's 850 uh, false prophets that she had working for it. Now, Ahab and Jezebel were horrible people and they were leaders of Israel. Ahab was a passive man and let Jezebel, a controlling and manipulative woman, lead the country. So this is a beautiful picture of leadership today because I've seen this Jezebelic spirit so often I can talk to you forever about it. Um, but <laughs> Ron's laughing because we did talk forever about it one time. Um, but basically, uh, Elijah's done all these good things. He challenges the false prophets of Israel and says, like, all right, let's see who's God's real. It's so cool. And he's, he's, they, like, are, they have to build this pillar or this altar and, like, uh, ask their gods to set it on fire. And he's like, go on, scream a little louder. You know, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe your gods are asleep. Maybe you just got to scream a little louder to wake him up. <laughs> he's just going all at it. That's like boldness and faith. And then when it's his turn, he said, go ahead, pour some water on that thing. Douse that baby. And God still, like, calls it on fire. Awesome. Amazing man of faith. Right after this happens, he proves all these false prophets wrong, gets them all killed, because that's what the Lord wanted. And um, <laughs> Jezebel basically says, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> she sends word to Elijah and says, I'm going to kill you. And he goes, I'm out. <laughs> and he runs away. And he goes out. He, he like sprints. Like doesn't even look back because he was terrified. And God's like, hey, uh, Elijah, what are you doing out here? And Elijah, or Elijah gives him this story of, you know, oh, man, this whole sob story. Like, they these people, like, they don't, like, care about you. I, read the story. And God feeds them, takes care of them. And God again says, hey, what are you doing out here? He gives them another chance to, hey, what are you doing out here? And I was just like, gives them another sob story. And God says, all right, well, I need this done. So I'm going to, basically, I need you to give your mantle to Elisha. And I want you to start training up Elisha. His, this place of authority was replaced. That's a big deal. The authority that Elijah was supposed to walk in, God wanted him to be the one to conquer the, the, the false idols and the evil spirits going on in Israel. But he was afraid. And by his fear, God says, all right, next man up. Not, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love Elijah. But there are things that need to be done for the good of the people. And so um, that's a big deal. But it's cool, too, because you read on and um, Elisha ends up, like, uh, anointing uh, Jehu as king over Israel and tells Jehu to go kill Jezebel. And uh, Jezebel, oh, that's the thing I was going to say. I was reading this in there. Jezebel actually, again, tries to do this bulldog, this intimidation. When Jehu comes up, he's got one thing in mind, one track mind. He's like, I'm going to kill this woman. I'm going to slay her dead. And Jezebel looks at him and says, Is it peace, Jehu? Or are you here to, like, uh, kill, like, me too? Like, you killed your your master. How many times have your leaders been like, 
oh, you're going to treat your master like that. How, you're going to treat your leader like that. Mm-hmm. Jehu says, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> he actually tells the uh, uh, emasculated eunuchs who Jezebel had taken away their confidence and their boldness to throw her off the roof, and her body is eaten by dogs in the street. Amazing story. I love it. Because, because, this is a great way to wrap this up, God is your vindicator. God is the one that takes vengeance. We read it in Ezekiel 34. It's in Jeremiah as well, where he says, Woe to you idle shepherds. And he's going to have his revenge. And it will not be pretty. But he's not called you to take that revenge over those people. This is why we respond with honor. Because in all honesty, if you knew the vengeance that God could take out on these people for the wrongs they are doing, you would not want to. Mm. You would not want that to happen to that person, no matter how bad they hurt you. Mm. No matter how bad. So... This is why we walk in love. We walk in honor to our leaders because we ourselves are leaders. We set a standard. Mm. So all that being said, I'm going to wrap this up with just a couple points that I just wanted to go back over. Um, You're a powerful person. And God has given each of you a grace to lead, to do things in your life that you otherwise could not do without the help of God. Um... The enemy hates God, therefore he hates you, and he will do anything he can to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, the church has a lot of bad leadership. The church is not the problem. The people being manipulated by evil spirits, the evil spirits are the problem. The people aren't even the problem. Jesus calls the church his bride. He's coming back for his bride. He loves the church. Trust me, he's going to marry her. Like, yeah. He loves the church. So don't let this be a way to say, I'm never going to church again. It's the evil spirits going on in the church. And they're the same spirits that want to keep you away from church. So, if that yeah. says anything to you. You're responsible for your own life and your own giftings and your own talents. And you will answer to God one day. Not your leaders. And when you stand in front of the Lord, he's... That you can't just say it was this person's fault <laughs> like Adam and Eve you know oh well you know this woman you gave me she's the one no 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 Adam got the curse too yeah. so it is not just other people's fault you are responsible for the giftings God has given you um, do not fall into offense honor people trust me it will set you free yeah. and Do not let the enemy bulldog you. You are more than a conqueror. You are powerful. The enemy can't even touch you. He does not win. So, I will end with that. Uh, I'm going to pray just to end this out. But then also, um, I know that we could probably do like six parts of a series to this thing. Because I've went over so many things so fast. So if you've got questions, please ask them. Your questions matter. And if you want to talk privately, you can talk privately with me, Monica, Ron, Kate, um, my mother, anybody. Just go talk to somebody. Um, So I'm going to pray. We'll open it up for some questions. Um, But, yes, Dad, we just love you. We thank you so much. Thank you for our leaders. Thank you 
for the people in our lives, even though they may hurt us, Lord, that you say they do not know what they do. Thank you that you never lived as a victim, Jesus, and that we will never live, live as victims either. Thank you that we are not called to live from a place of offense or hurt or bitterness or rejection. I just cast out those spirits right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would do a deep work, God. May, if it's not tonight, God, I pray that it's tomorrow. Holy Spirit, I just pray that if there's something that needs to be pulled out of each person's heart, that you would just begin to slowly and gently press on that thing. God, let it rise to the surface, not in a way to hurt, but to heal, God, so that we can fully walk in what, God, you have for us. I speak over each person in this room. I cancel any negative words about how they were a failure or they are a, not a leader and they could never be and they're just a grunt worker, whatever. God, I speak over them what you would speak over them, that you are a leader, you are loved, and you are full of power and authority. <coughs> and there is nothing that can stop you when the Holy Spirit is on your side. And Jesus says, I never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah, God, I just thank you so much. Love these people. And uh, we all say amen. 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 Bless the Lord.